And we're live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Divi Chat. Each week, some of the brightest Divi minds from all around the world get together to share their knowledge and expertise with running businesses and developing websites with WordPress and Divi. Tonight, you'll be listening to episode 49, where we'll be discussing why you should raise your rates. Let's get chatting, but before we do, let's say hello to tonight's super awesome panel. And I'm going to start in the middle with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Ah, hi. <laughs> I'm Sarah Oates from Endure Web Studios, and you can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. I got to keep you on your toes to make sure y'all are paying attention. <laughs> hey, Leslie, ladies first. Hi, uh, I'm Leslie Burnell of A Girl in Her Mac, uh, and you can find me at agirlinhermac.design and all the socials at A Girl in Her Mac. Fantastic. Hey, Corey. Sorry, I had to, had to unmute. Hey, everybody. Corey Jenkins here coming at you from Prescott, Arizona. Uh, I'm with Aspen Grove Studios and Divi Space. You can find us at aspengrovestudios.com and divi.space. Happy to be here and go Dodgers. Thank you, Corey Jenkins. <laughs> it's Sorry, not complete I just, without that. I just, I just had to do it, man. Sorry. Hey, Terry. Well, hello, world of Divi and beyond. <laughs> I'm Terry Hale. Uh, my company is Mysgorn Inc. Don't bother looking at my website. But I do work with uh, Be Superfly great team and uh since gino couldn't be here today i thought i would represent kiros.co in my own small way that's a Tyrion lannister joke by the way <laughs> thank you terry thank you no we're glad you're here man uh tim hey everybody tim streifler here and you can find me online at divilife.com timstreifler.com, and then now the recently launched wpthepodcast.com. Dang it, Tim, I need yeah, to up that my lower so bar now. On that. <laughs> <That's good stuff. laughs> I wonder if I can fit four websites in my oh lower my third. <laughs> <laughs> and John, hey, everybody, my name is David Blackman with Aspen Grove Studios, Divi.Space, one of the co-hosts of this wonderful show, Divi Chat where we tackle some awesome topics each week. Sometimes not so awesome, but this one's going to be a really good one because we're going to tell you why you should consider raising your rates. And I remember when I did it the first time, <clears throat> I was really scared. I thought, nobody's going to want to do business. Who's going to pay that much money? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, the sky's fallen. I'm going to go out of business. And next thing you know, I had more work than I ever could have thought. I, you know, all of a sudden, just work was just kind of coming and coming and coming and kept coming. And that's just kind of a short snippet of what we're going to talk about and stuff tonight. And I think hopefully we'll get behind some of the psychology of why you, why it's good to do that, why it's good to raise your rates and stuff, because it's perceived value that you bring to customers and stuff out there. Um, so I don't want to hog all the air time. Does anybody want to dive in on why you think we should raise the rates and share some experience? 
Leslie, I saw you shaking your head. Sounds like you want to talk. Oh, um, well, no, I, I was basically kind of agreeing with what you said. I, I think probably all of us, when it, it's that first time, you're like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not going to get any work. Like, who's going to want to pay that, you know? Um, but, and in hindsight, it, that's how I felt at the time, you know, and I did it. And like you, I had, I got better clients. Um, I luckily, I've been, uh, you know, pretty, pretty much booked for, for a long time now. Um, but I think you kind of cast your net to get people who value your worth, value your skill, um, don't see what you do as a hobby, um, you know, kind of t take you as, as, as your, put you on the same kind of level. Cause I, I don't know. I think sometimes people <clears throat> kind of try to get, you know, the cheapest website or whatever. Um, and kind of, I don't know, trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. We could go on to somebody else because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but, don't worry, I'm, I'm, all I'm all really under the bus. <laughs> Harry brought up a great point in our chat. Maybe I should have started it like this. In our Slack chat, Terry made a, a very great comment, very, very simple, of why you should raise your rates. Why don't you tell everybody what that was, Terry? Uh, the main reason that you want to raise your rates is so that you can make more money. <laughs> Duh! Episode ended. See y'all next right? week. That's, I was going to say that. Too. I did come up with so a eat. list. Go ahead, Corey. No, no I was going to say so you can eat. Oh yeah, right, right, right. And Give us your uh, list, Terry. I had a list of reasons to start off with as to why people might be afraid to try to raise their rates, and Leslie touched on that just a little bit. Uh, that you would scare clients away. Oh, I can't afford that. Um, you might be afraid of losing work to the competition. Uh, we can address that in just a minute. You might be in a limited local or a niche, niche, niche market. <laughs> uh, you may feel like you have a lack of training or lack of experience. Um, as far as losing work to the competition, there's no short of, of shortage of work. You should not have to worry about that at all. And like Leslie was saying, if you can start using the value that you bring to the table instead of, oh, you know, I'm making $20 an hour, that's probably going to sound a lot to some people. Now, you, you don't even discuss per hour with the client normally. I mean, anyway. That bringing value to the table is a great way to raise your rates. So also people might be afraid of raising the rates because they already have existing clients and they don't want to raise those rates with those clients. But uh, like Leslie was saying, also with the experience that you get, you can gradually increase your client, your existing client rates by explaining that the demand for your work has grown. Your market is growing. Uh, people are reaching out to you more and more and you've gone to a value-based reason to raise your rates. Um, you know, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I would, I would like to kind of set touch on add to what you're talking about and stuff. Cause I think, you know, one of the things that you, you start to learn, I think when you're brand new and you're starting your company out, you're really just wanting to get customers. You're wanting to get people in the door. So you're willing to probably do it for a lesser rate. You know, for me personally, it was out of ignorance. It wasn't out of, you know, anything that I just thought, Oh, I have to do this. It was like, 
my mind told me, well, if I'm cheaper than the other guy, I'll get some, some work in the door and stuff. And, um, and that's good. But when, as you go along and as your company grows and stuff, you start to realize that not all clients are equal and you try to, you start to find out what type of clients you really want to work with your ideal clients and stuff. And, um, yeah. and I think that probably feeds into one reason why you end up changing your rates and stuff. Lots of people unmuting. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> I was yeah. going to comment. Um, oh. I think um, when you, like what you're saying about your different types of clients, I think there's a journey that people take when they start a web business. Like when I started, I spent a year building free websites for friends. So the majority of those people were people with brand new businesses who didn't have any money for a website who were willing for me to learn while I was doing it. So for them, they've got no money. Their expectation is low. I'm learning on the job. I'm just happy to like get going. So then after that, I started charging people, but I felt really like nervous about how am I going to get these clients and you know, they're not going to want to pay that much. I'm still brand new. I don't have a port like much of a portfolio. But again, I was still in that target of it was friends of friends or my friends directly who had new businesses. They again didn't have very much money, but they were willing to pay me like 800 bucks for a whole website. And so at the time I was like, okay, well, this is a start. And my full price at that point was um, one and a half thousand for a like full website kind of thing. So I started with my rates really low, but it was the target market was small businesses who were willing to have a new person who didn't have a lot of skill. And so they were happy to pay that rate. And at that point, I didn't really have an hourly rate. I had a goal in mind. Like I wanted to come home with a certain amount per hour. So the amount of time I spent for the amount of money that was coming in, but I was giving them a whole price. And then probably every six months or maybe every year, or if I get got a new client who, once I started getting clients who I didn't know personally, I would just bump it up a little bit, just like 10% or 20% and just give it a go. Like, you know, if I was putting out there a quote, especially once you start to get busier, you can experiment and you can just chuck a number out there and give it a go. Even if you think it's ridiculous, if you think there's no way that they're going to like accept that rate, suddenly a couple of people will accept it and that then gives you the confidence for that to become your new rate and for you to feel more confident. But again, that's then changing your market. So I went from brand new businesses or people who had businesses but had no money to now working with established bigger businesses who want really extravagant things in their website or they want integration with like, um, property things or, you know, they want all sorts of different things. Your market is completely changing, but you get to spend more time on it and you get to like do more interesting things, but that's a progress. And I think part of what you need to do, whoever's listening is work out where you're at. Like, where are you in the journey? Who is your current client? Who are you regularly getting? Is that who you want to keep getting? Or do you want to like just bump it up even just a little bit? because that can then like lead you to a new place potentially. I don't know if that's making sense, but someone else go. <laughs> that was really good, Sarah. I like that a lot. That journey, um, the, the metaphor of a journey, that's totally spot on. Yeah. That awesome. was my journey too. Good stuff. Um, I wanted to bring up the concept of perceived value. Did anyone touch on that yet? 
I don't think so. Okay. I mentioned it in the opening, but I didn't. Okay, perfect. Um, so I, I was paying attention, by the way. I just wanted to make that clear. Um, and uh, I think the hesitancy of, of people raising their rates is a lot of times people think or, or people know that they're going up against other web designers, developers, and so they're afraid of um, pricing themselves out and having someone else um, bid lower and get the job. And so it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to uh, bid at a price that where you're competitive um, with the, the other designers that are, are, are putting out bids, but then you also need to make sure that you're making enough money and, and so forth. Um, but, but one thing I wanted to throw out is the, just the psychology aspect, the perceived value of charging more. Um, because a lot of times if a customer is, or a client is getting two different quotes from two seemingly similar um, web designers, uh, the one that is bidding higher can potentially have a higher perceived value. And so they, to the, um, the client who's not tech savvy, they're not really looking at the details of, of what it includes and so forth. Just the fact that it's higher could potentially win you the job because they think, well, this guy is charging a thousand dollars more. This they must know be, why. Yeah. yeah, this must be um, a, a better value. I must be getting more for my money. You know, it's kind of like the whole Apple uh, effect. You know, Apple has on, you know, their iPhones, most insane margins. And if you compare it to a Samsung phone, the technology isn't that different, but yet they charge so much more. And I mean, I would argue that they are better for a lot of reasons, but like, if you're just like, you know, thinking of like the components in, in the device itself, I'm an Apple fanboy, and Terry's not. <laughs> um, we just lost listeners. Just kidding. You know, Apple, Apple gets away with, with selling more because it's that higher perceived value and people buy it because they want that premium product. And so you can potentially do the same thing with your web business. And I'm not saying charge, you know, so much more and just try to like, you know, basically trick people into, um, you know, spending more money. That's definitely not what I'm saying. You obviously want, you know, the value that goes with that. But I think just like the principle b behind it, charging a higher rate, you know, could potentially, um, you know, cause people to, to want to hire you because they, you know, it's that perceived value and so forth. Because, and actually on the flip side, I think a lot of people undervalue themselves. And so chances are, I would say like the majority of web designers, out there or in the Divi community, especially are undervaluing their skills and, and should be charging more. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of the flip side of that. You're selling yourself short. Yeah. I, I think, I think when it comes to raising your pricing, there's, there's a few factors that come into place and, um, one of them actually has to do on, on why you should raise your pricing, but, uh, one that, that will allow you to, to raise your pricing is skill. Uh, you know, obviously when we were all first starting off, we were, um, you know, breaking more things <laughs> and asking more <laughs> questions and, and learning. And, uh, you know, a lot of us, I think, kind of used ourselves into this lifestyle of like, you know, I, I had, a, I had a, a marketing director job and, and I was doing some web work on the side. And then one day I, I got a couple of clients and I said, okay, I'm just going to take the leap and, and see where this goes. Now, in retrospect, I wasn't the most talented and still I'm not the most talented web developer out there. And my prices at the time definitely uh, reflected that. You know, I charged, you know, kind of what I felt comfortable with charging. Um, the, I, I, I guess, kind of the second part of that that goes into into setting your pricing can also be market. Um, I moved here from California to Arizona, 
you can charge a lot more for, for a website in certain parts, you know, Southern California, you can get more for a website than you can in like Baghdad, Arizona. So, you know, so, so location can somewhat deem what your, what your pricing is of your websites. And the third, I, I, the third aspect that I think goes into um, pricing is necessity. What's your bandwidth? How much work can you do? How much is it, does it take for you to survive, live, uh, you know, feed, feed your kids? If, if you're not taking care of yourself and your, and your family and all those basic human needs, you're doing your customer a terrible disservice because you're having to take on 10 times more work than you probably should be. And you're not paying as much attention to your, to your customers uh, as you could. So almost in a sense, raising your rates, you're almost doing your customer a service because you're, you're you actually have the time to, to spend more, um, you know, to, to focus more energy on, on their projects as opposed to, you know, five, 10 other projects. We need to get this out to all of our customers, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I think that's fabulous. Like, I um, I, I definitely came into a web design business with rose-colored glasses on, thinking I was gonna, you know, like be able to make the same money that I was making before, but charging not very much for my websites. And one thing that I did that was actually really hard for me, but really helpful for me was I got the app Timely app and there's lots of other options around, um, I can't remember some of the other ones, um, Time Camp I think is one and anyway there's other ones but um, I got like an app that runs in the background of my computer and it tells me what I've been doing for the day and so at the end of the day I can then categorize that into a project and then when I finish the project, like I can price a project at certain dollars per hour and I can give like a a goal for a a job so like I might want to spend 20 hours on a job I can't lie about it like firstly I can't lie about how many hours I've actually spent working so at the end of the week it's going to tell me actually you only did like 10 hours of work this week and that's a little bit confronting but then the other thing it'll do is it'll help me with a job no I like totally under budgeted this job like I underquoted it by heaps or I overquoted, and that might then help you to change your quoting next time. But the other thing that it did for me was at the end of the financial year, um, I, I added up all of the hours that I had worked and then how much money came into our personal bank account out of, so not just what the business brought in, but what we personally as a family got. And then that made me work out what my hourly rate actually was. So at the end of financial year, how much had I actually made per hour based on the amount of hours that I'd actually worked? And that then made me face the reality that I needed to bump my prices up a bit because our family needed a little bit more or else I was going to need to go get another job because I could make far more money at a normal job by just going there. And yes, I have flexibility with this job, but was it worth it to our family? And so the answer in the end of that was I need to up my prices a little bit or I need to get more productive with my time. Because one has to happen if I'm going to make enough money for our family to feel like I don't just need to go and get a different job. And that was hard. Like that was a full kick in the guts, but it was a really important process. And it also helps me every time I quote now because I'm getting a better picture, a more accurate picture of actually how many hours it takes to build a website, which is good. Yeah, those are some really, really good points. I don't, um, I did some testing just to have, you know, as we got busier and busier and busier, I just for grins 
sorry, clients, if you're watching this episode, I'm going to be real transparent and <laughs> tell you the truth right now. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> I, I just, it's not that I didn't do testing. I, I was very up upfront with them. And I just told them, you know, where we were at and what our bandwidth was. And, you know, um, Corey would like to kill me probably more than more times than not, because I don't the, the, the two letter word that is in my it's not in my vocabulary. It's no. So when a client or somebody comes to us and they need something, my solution is, OK, well, we'll get it done. You know, <laughs> I, I was going to say it's not me that wants to kill you. It's my wife. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's probably Mandy. So, <laughs> As we started getting busier and busier and busier on the on the client side of things, we, you know, I, I started upping my price just, I didn't even tell Corey, I was just like, I was given prices that were, I thought, pretty insane, you know, <laughs> and not all, not all of my clients, I love most of you. Wait, we're, we're usually, though, just, if, you'll, if, just, if, you'll just never know which two you are. We're, <laughs> we're usually pretty in sync, though. Like, if you ask yeah. me what I'm thinking on something, we're, we're yeah, usually Corey, Corey, and I, Corey and I are within $500 on every project, no matter what. Our brains work really in sync on the project side. But I started just doing some testing. You know, Tim knows about it. I've talked to him about it. Corey obviously knows about it. I've talked to him about it. You know, because I just we couldn't take any more work. And I thought, if I'm going to take the work on. It's going to be, <laughs> be worth it. And I'm going to charge what I want to make as opposed to what they could pay for the site. So, you know, and and I'll be a son of a gun if every single one of them didn't. Yeah. OK. When can you start? You know, here's the check. When can you start? And some of them are like, ah, darn it. <laughs> look, and look, I'm telling you, it started at two, three, four, five times what would normally charge. And they still said yes. And that told me that it had nothing to do with pricing, so to speak. It has to do with perceived value and what you can do for that company and stuff. So if you, if you have a great product and a service that you're offering and you do a great job and you've got good references, people want to work with you. It's not about the money for them. They want the best. Tim was talking about Apple. Mm -hmm. They want, they want the best perceived money spent for their dollar, even if it's more than the other person. So Exactly. And I think that's a big point that I hope a lot of people in, especially the Divi community um, hear at some point that not everybody is hung up on money. Some people want whatever is best for their business, regardless of cost. Um, of course, that doesn't mean go insane and charge something that um, it's that that's unfair or, you know, that's unwarranted. But but not everybody is a cheapo. <laughs> Right. You're right. right. And if yeah. they are, maybe they're not the right client for you because yeah. everyone who um, has been a real cheapo for me have been the clients that have been really hard to work with. And they've been the ones that in the end, I've really wished I didn't take on and I've had to kind of fight the whole way with them and it's just not worth it. So do you really you know what? Cheapos are for, 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 for Leslie five years ago, you know? That's yeah, what, and there know. are other people out there who want that work. Like, yeah. just pass it on to somebody else. I think, David, your point is really good that if you have that much workload, it's probably the right time. So, I mean, when you're starting out, like, I don't want people to listen to this and feel like they're pressured to up their rates. 
because there is a stage and if you are in the beginning phases and you don't have work, you're going to take whatever you can get, right? Like maybe you are taking the Leslie five years ago job. Like that's okay kind of thing. You don't have to be going for it straight away. But once you get to the point where maybe you're at 80% of your bandwidth, that's the time to have an experiment and just up it a little bit. I think Troy Dean says up your invoices by 10% every single time until someone says no. And then maybe try it on that same level again until someone says yes and then go up again by 10% until you get to a point where maybe you're getting 50% of your quotes. So some people say yes, some people say no. You're never going to get all of them. So don't stress when one person says no. They might have said no for a whole bunch of reasons, but if some say yes, some say no, you're in a good place. If everybody's saying no, maybe you're too expensive. If everybody is saying yes, there's a good chance you need to up yourself even just a little bit. Yeah, I would I would argue that nine out of ten times someone says no, it's not because of the price. It's rarely because of the price itself, meaning that they like literally can't afford, you know, that price. Uh, it's the the value that is goes along with that price. So if someone's saying no to the price, then there's something else, some other piece of the puzzle that isn't going along with it. Like Sarah said, like raise your rates gradually, you know opposed to like right off the bat quadrupling your rate tomorrow because when you raise it gradually well you're going to have a portfolio that kind of that goes up that ladder with you and so if if someone is saying no and it it's, it's because of the price well then maybe your portfolio in their mind isn't doesn't match that price point um and and one thing i wanted to say about david uh you know keep doubling the rates and everything um <laughs> A lot of that is because David is uh, obviously the perceived value. I'm not going to diminish that, but David is a phenomenal salesperson and he's able to, <laughs> to speak confidently and he's able to be the expert and, and tell the, the client, um, you know, what they need to do opposed to trying to figure out what they want. Um, and so that that's part of it. So don't assume that you can just charge five, <laughs> 10 times as, as much as you normally do and be able to have David's results. Come on, Tim, they can try it. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and and don't like you know quadruple your rates just to do it. I mean, you know, have, have the resources and the, and the skills to back it up. You know, we like to have that that buffer zone in a project where if we hit a snag or um, you know, or if there's you know some other feature that you know sometimes maybe we just want to do something you know to to do something extra for the client. We you know we have the extra resources within that budget to you know to go to one of our. Uh, developers that are on standby, uh, you know, maybe one of our guys that's awesome and working with API is like, Hey, you know, can you do this API integration? Yeah. Okay. So all of a sudden you have the budget to do that to where you're not constantly having to tell the client no on every little thing. I mean, yeah, there, there is scope creep, but if you have that, if you have that padding uh, in your budgets at, at times, you know, it, that's awesome to the client. If they ask for something, you know, maybe it's going to take you two, three hours of development time, but you have that, that padding, and you find yourself not constantly having to, to say no to stuff. Yeah, and then you also you have extra budget to to do things that maybe you wouldn't do 
like design wise, like adding in some extra like micro interactions for hovering, you know, different, those little things that can take that website from good to great that if, you know, on a smaller and lower budget job, you wouldn't spend the extra time really, you know, going outside of the box to, to achieve those things. Cause that's my favorite thing is when I have extra budget and I can do something that normally I wouldn't have the, the time or the budget to, to really like explore. And then it's um, a surprise and they're like, Oh my gosh, he went way above and beyond. And like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can really surprise and delight your customers and, and go above and beyond for them. Like Corey was saying and be able to say yes, if they, you know, have that last minute request. Okay, I have a question for you guys, because this may help people raise rates and close sales. Do you think that, and I want your honest opinion, this is totally off topic of raising your rates, but I'm going to swing it back and tie it into it. Do you feel like 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now that the majority of all goods purchased will be digitally? Will there be brick and mortar businesses will the majority of it move to online as opposed to offline 10 15 20 i think there'll still be brick and mortar businesses not not all of them but the majority i said i said what percentage i personally think the majority of things will be purchased online and delivered to your door and everything will be bought through this thing yeah <laughs> I, 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 did, I did read an article about drones delivering burritos yeah. Oh, uh, this morning, so. Taco, taco drone. What, what, what will they think of next? I mean, all the resources we have available as humans, we're, we're dropping burritos from drones. Because how huge is that investment for a business? Obviously, we know that all businesses need to invest in a website and have their presence online digitally. But how much does it impact that even more so? If you know the future is going to be more, people are going to want more. I want my groceries well, delivered at home. Amazon I mean, just bought Whole Foods. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess in that respect, a website um, as a part of your entire business, you know, part of the whole plan um, does, you know, the value is is gradually getting higher. Um, it's definitely a nest, like it's a have to. You have. I don't really see how you, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be, like service businesses that aren't run online, you know, like a car mechanic and stuff like that. And I think there's, there's a stat out there that like so many certain percentage of businesses still don't have an online presence. And it's, you know, those things like those car mechanics and, you know, the, the roofer, you know, construction guy, whatever. Um, but I think as more of the millennial generation becomes the majority of the purchasers, yeah. I think that's the right word um, yeah. in the economy. Yeah. Like, cause the way that the millennials do everything is online. They're not going to go and, and um, drive down the street or look up a, a car mechanic in a phone book or, or whatever. They're going to go on, on online and look at Yelp or, you know, other review sites and so forth. So I think like even for the businesses that aren't selling things online, e-commerce, the websites are going to become more and more of a necessity. And that's, what's exciting for like web designers is there's still so many that don't have that online presence yet. Yeah. And if they don't, they're going to fail as more of the millennials start to really run the economy. So I had a dilemma the other day, we um, need to get our roof fixed and I didn't know who to hire because I don't have anyone who has the same roof as me. And so I didn't have any like personal recommendations. So then I was like, crap, who am I going to like hire for, 
fixing my roof. And then I asked on Facebook amongst like a local Facebook group, like, you know, who's good. So then I looked up all of their websites and then I had this dilemma. Do I hire the ones with the really good websites because I feel like I trust them more or do I hire the ones with the really crap, crap websites? And crap ones. Like, crap yeah, ones. Yeah, probably the crap ones. <laughs> like, what do you think? <laughs> but in all seriousness, it was really interesting for me as a person who doesn't know anything about roofs, had to be spending, I'm going to be spending like a 1000 or $2,000 on getting my roof fixed. I want someone who is really trustworthy and I was totally put off by the people who had really bad websites or who had no website. Like I just didn't feel like I trusted them at all to come and fix my roof in a way that I'm going to trust for the next 10 years or whatever. Perceived value. It actually matters. When people don't have a personal recommendation, they need a website to be able to validate that you're going to be someone who they can trust. Yeah, here's Dave's other closing tip. Find somebody without a, a roofer without a website and trade. Build them a website. Look, I, our AC went out. not a bad idea. Look, look, <laughs> story. Our central air conditioning went out. We're in South Louisiana. It's hot. I found the crappiest AC website company in Lafayette and did a trade with them in my first year of web development because it was $5,000 to, you know, replace the AC, the HVAC. I found an AC company that needed a website and I traded, you know, so I've done done it quite a few times. You know, my wife looks at me like, (laughs) Oh my God, you know, you're not talking to him about that. Oh yeah. I wanted to hook, look, look, I wanted to hook um, electricity up for our RV at my in-laws house. And they just happened to have their good buddy who owned an electrical company and sending in the driveway. And all I did was say, you know, I had him over there to give us a quote and he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I, we do web development. We, we build websites for businesses. He said, really? Well, I need one. Maybe we can trade. He put the plug in the $1,500 plug in and we did a swap on services. It's a really <laughs> good thing. And it saves you coming out of, out of pocket. Of cash. So, so in a sense, that's like raising your rates, I, I guess. I mean, yeah. so yeah, was was like, like, like you normally charge 3000 for a website, but you're bartering like for a $5,000 product. $5,000 for a three page site. Not bad, David. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, this was not a three page. <laughs> he, he didn't go up on the roof and see the hamsters running around in his. Age Actually, ride. I still had about 2,500 outlay and, and, and he did 2,500 on the, on the unit and stuff. So that wasn't a straight trade, but you can, I've done quite a few things. My first year web development, it was like, Oh, let me, you know, and you'll be surprised at how, how willing people are to do that because there's a value with the website. Yeah. There really is no reason to not find somebody to make a website for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did a barter with my CPA that worked out well. Oh, that's smart. I need a CPA. Where were we? I think we're talking about raising raising your rates. <laughs> doing things for free. Yeah. So, folks, you heard it here. This is these are why you should raise your rates. Actually, I have another good idea as to why you would want to raise your rates. And this gets back to the uh, the training and the lack of experience, or maybe lack of time, and all that kind of stuff. 
raising your rates allows you to actually get more work done by being able to hire out aspects of a project you just might not be very good at. Yes. So actually, you're using your project budget the best way by getting things done faster, which means less hours, but you're getting paid more for it, if that makes sense. You know, you're it's less stress. 100%. You're making more money. That little bit of money you can – there might be a fiber guy that you could uh, give just a little bit of code or a, a, a logo or whatever, you know. Instead of doing all that yourself, yeah. take that extra money, spend a little bit of it getting some help, and you've got your project, your pro, yeah, your project done even faster, um, but you still keep, get to keep more of the money that way. Yeah, even like busy work. I mean, if, if there's a project that's kind of like redundant work and maybe copying and pasting or some repetitive task, you know, you can hire a virtual assistant or somebody to to help you out with that. And that can definitely speed up the the project and save you a lot of time and, and stress. Stress definitely. <laughs> It's funny. Sometimes I actually do the opposite. When a client has a low budget, I'll outsource it um, in order to work with the client's budget because I could get someone cheaper to get it done in order to come within the client's budget. Because if I do it, you know, my hourly rate is going to be more expensive and I and might not be as fast and efficient. But um, I, there's definitely more value in being able to, what Terry was saying, being able to charge more for money or charge more for a project and have more budget to be able to yeah hire out, you know, specialties for, for different things and be able to really make that client's money, you know, go a lot further. I'm just warning the clients that are in the pipeline right now. I think after listening to this episode, we may be raising our rates again. Oh so y'all may want to, y'all may want to act fast. <laughs> so I've got another reason to raise your rates. And this one is for the good of the community because the amount of times that people come on the Facebook groups and they say that they're charging like, I don't know, $1,000 for a full website and it just means that if everybody is charging a really low rate, then nobody can raise their rates. But if together we accept the fact that what we are bringing is valuable and it is actually something that people should be paying for, that the more people who actually come to that party, I'm not talking about being unrealistic or, you know, getting money out of people when we don't deserve it, but actually being realistic about the value that we are bringing to a business. If we collectively are doing that, it's easier for everybody because everybody starts to not be putting forward these tiny little prices that then businesses start to accept, oh, it's only worth $1,000. Because it's not only worth $1,000. Their business, they're going to get more business, like people like me hiring a roofer. Like, they're going to get people hiring them because they have a really good website, and that is valuable. And if we're all collectively doing that together, it makes it easier for everybody. Yeah. So you're saying we should start a, a web developer union. Coalition. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and go on strike. That's right. All right, so you guys hit, heard it here first. We're all raising our rates by 25%. Right? And, and if you'd like to join the union, it's only $99 per year. I thought David no, said I mean, quadruple. I, I really don't want to say that unrealistically. Like, don't, I'm not trying to say let's just go and rip off everybody together. But what I am saying is it is valuable, and the challenge is when there are other people who are offering it for really super-duper cheap in your <laughs> same local area, 
it makes it much harder. Um, yeah. I don't think you should lower yourself to their to their level, but it would be nice if we were all collectively accepting the fact that we are bringing value to our clients. Yeah, and, and I think that goes back to the market. And I mean, now that we're like in a global economy and we have, you know, like like Facebook groups where people can go and, and bid on jobs. I mean, if somebody's living in an area where cost of living is like, you know, a tenth of what it might be in, a, in another area, they're going to have the ability to go in there and unfortunately under underbid everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, who knows, maybe somebody's like, you know, a couple hundred dollars short on a, on a mortgage payment or something and they're just trying to scrounge for work. But that, I think those are some of the factors that determine some of these like really low prices uh, that you see. Cause I, I mean, every, there's not a single web developer that doesn't want to get more money for, you know, for, for what they're doing. But I, I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that, that drive the market down. But I mean, there's, that's why there's clients who want those, you know, $200 websites and there's clients that know that they're making a, a big investment. It's important to their business. And then ultimately those are the people that you want to attract, not somebody who's lowballing you. Yeah. And Actually, I, probably, I think, you can, sorry, go ahead, sir. I was just going to say it's probably a good point in terms of if people are scrounging around for someone who's going to do the lowest price, then they're going to find the lowest price. Like that's the people they're going to find. So some of the websites where I've been able to raise my price are local, which I never thought I would be going for a local market. But the people who are local who are actually um, who are actually like bricks and mortar here within my local area they're the ones who aren't looking around for the cheapest price. They want someone they can actually talk to. They want someone they can go for a coffee with. They want someone that they know isn't just going to disappear to somewhere else. And so I think sometimes if you want to raise your price, look local rather than looking online because sometimes the online thing is when they're everyone's scrounging around for the cheapest thing they can find and maybe that's not the place to be looking to raise your prices. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think uh, on that note, uh, when people are looking or comparing a cheap website, you know, a $200, $500 website to what you're quoting them, I think being able to defend that quote, I think is incredibly important. Being able to explain to the potential client why you're charging X when this other random dude online is is charging Y. And uh <laughs> You know, because there's so much, obviously, we know that there's more than just implementing, you know, the little items on the page builder and adding, you know, a picture here and some text here. Uh, you know, there's a lot more that goes into that. Even there's a lot more that goes into just like, you know, the actual aesthetics of it, you know, having like the flow of the site and how the information is organized to, you know, bring their uh, web visitor, you know, through and, um, you know, the the funnel and, and blah, blah, blah. And so being able to be the expert and communicate to your client why it is that um, you're charging more and why it's worth that much. And if you can do that confidently, then you won't have any trouble raising your rates. Boom. Boom. Totally agreed. I think we've kind of talked, covered lots of different things. I'm not sure there's a whole lot more to be said on this topic. Was there a question for Sarah from someone? Oh, my God. That's way buried. We've had oh, some okay. active <laughs> <Sorry. YouTube> live <laughs> chat tonight. That it's. I'm reading it. There is a couple of things. There was a, a question for Sarah in the very beginning if someone wants to scroll back up while I'm talking. One of the uh, commenters, one of our viewers, I don't know if it was Josh or Jonathan, said that when we were talking about the, you know, when I posed the question 
do you think percentages, what, what percentage do you think future, you know, people will make online versus in stores and stuff. He threw a comment out there. He said that he felt like he read somewhere or heard something somewhere that currently 50% of sales in the U S are done on amazon.com currently annually. I feel like that's high. I would, I I don't think that's too far off, but it seems high, but wow. Yeah. And this is, you know, you can fact check us. I'm I mean, not, I buy I on Amazon, this. so yeah, I'm one of those. Yeah, maybe, people. <laughs> maybe like maybe like non-grocery and things yeah. like things like yeah. that. Yeah, and Amazon has uh, the they call it FBA Amazon FBA, where it's fulfilled by Amazon, and oh, so yeah. like a WooCommerce site can sell it through their WooCommerce site, but then Amazon fulfills it, and it's through their you know warehouses, their two day mm-hmm. shipping, whatever. So Fine. I wonder if that's Print. being put into the figure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think Josh does have a good question about creating landing pages for specific industries, which is really you know about niching down your your, your services, which which probably is you know it, it can be a good strategy to to raise your prices if you set yourself as the expert in a certain industry. If you're you know you're building websites specifically for attorneys and that's your niche, you can probably charge more than the person who's just building websites for you know, for, for anybody. So that, that, that might be a good strategy to, to raise your rates if you can get enough. And just uh, to throw it out there, my, my niche, niche, whatever, um, is Divi. And niche, that's niche, Leslie. Niche. 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 I, like, I like niche. niche. I like niche. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's actually girly. Niche. 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 I like that. Yeah. Niche. Um. Bless you. <laughs> niche. Sorry. Sorry, Leslie. We didn't Sorry. want to derail you. Keep going. Um, oh, well, besides, besides, you know, picking a, a niche industry, um, Divi is also a niche. And I, that's, that's been my niche for uh, over a year now. Um, so, you know, it's, you can try out, uh, you know, when it comes to raising your rates, if, if you think about, if you, I think a lot of people in the groups have, um, kind of brought this up several times, um, asking about what, you know, is being a Divi designer, um, lucrative or whatever. It's definitely, um, something you can do, um, something to think about. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think the reason why it's lucrative is because elegant themes does so great with marketing and they right. tell people, you know, how easy it is, which it's easy to, uh, you know, be able to like build a website, but it's not easy to design. And so they realize like, Oh shoot, like, yeah, I can add some modules, but it looks like poop. <laughs> and then they, they go and look for someone that's an expert in that theme because they've already bought Divi and so forth. But to, to Corey's point, when you, um, niche out, <laughs> niche, niche, niche. niche, um, niche. You, you can, you can charge for being the expert in that thing. Just like Leslie can raise her rates and she can charge for being a Divi expert. And she has that experience um, and skills to, to, um, to be able to charge more. Um, another example is um, Melissa Love. You know, her, her niche, now I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, Melissa Love, her, her target market is like the creative space with like a lot of photographers and so forth. And so she's able to charge more because she's an expert in designing those types of websites and people go to her because they know that that that's what she's great at. Yeah. And, and she's yeah. a photographer, so they trust her as far as. Yeah, you know. exactly. And she's just an amazing designer. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Why you should raise your rates, folks. Lots of good reasons in this episode. Anything else before we go to parting thoughts? 
you guys might want to take a look at that uh, Elegant Themes article that came out uh, just a little bit ago about WordPress developer salaries. Uh, And I would also say I would agree with Sarah saying that we need to help the community because according to WP Engine, the hourly rate greatest is the $10 to $19 an hour range. And I feel sorry for those people. So let's get those bars <laughs> lowered. The the big bars drop down the list towards the 50, 60, 70, $80 an hour range. And speaking of niche markets and stuff like that, heavy <laughs> developers, I think, especially the good ones, like the ones that were just mentioned, uh, should definitely make more than just your basic WordPress developer because it is a specific tool and you have to have special qualifications in order to use that tool. People need, yeah, you need to hire somebody who knows how to deal with these updates. This is what <laughs> yeah, those are some really, really good points. Terry, do you have a link to that article that you can save and we'll, we'll put it in the show notes for I people? Do, I do, I do. I, I think, uh, David, you can post links. None of us can post it in the live feed, but I think you can do links. Okay. Um, I'm going to put it, we're going to put it in the show notes instead of just in the chat as well. Okay. So, um, I remember seeing that. I didn't read it, but I saw it come up in the feed. It's a little depressing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but overall, the, the summarization is in the U.S., you can expect maybe 60000 a year on being a WordPress developer, but it breaks it down a lot more into whether you're an implementation specialist or designer, you know, all that stuff. Anyway, that's outside the scope, but yeah, check out that link. Awesome. Well, Hey, let's do some parting thoughts and you know what? We're going to finish the same way we started with ladies first, but we're going to start with Leslie instead of Sarah. Hmm. Leslie. Give us your parting thoughts. My parting thought is just to um, don't be scared. Um. <laughs> Dang it, you stole mine. I knew you were going to steal it. Yeah, it's, you know, the first time is is uh, scary. I, I didn't raise my rates from, I, I did really cheap, sometimes free websites in the beginning. Just It basically was Sarah, but that was my journey too. Um, I waited like, I think like two years and then maybe another year, maybe two. Um, and uh, I know it was kind of touched on. I personally don't raise my rates on my previous clients, especially the ones I really like. Um, I, maybe I'll do like a little, but generally I don't raise them. So, you know, you can kind of tailor how you want to. Don't feel like, oh gosh, if I start charging this, you know, my former cus- uh, client's going to leave. You don't have to, you know, maybe you can bump a little, but you don't have to. Um, don't feel like you have to mess up a relationship for money. Um Do you want me to just jump Yeah, in? go ahead, Sarah. Sorry, my my mouth disappeared and it wouldn't come <laughs> back, so my bad. Um, my parting thought is a slightly off to the side one, but just the thing of I was just looking at that article that Terry posted and um, that thing of an hourly rate, I think one thing that I didn't consider when I came into business is that the hourly rate that you charge a client is not the hourly rate that you necessarily get to spend in your personal bank account. I mean, everyone does it differently. I have a per, like a business bank account 
when I charge money, money comes into there. I spend money from there on the business expenses like hosting and plugins and whatever. And then I draw out money monthly and that is my income. So when I work out my hourly rate of what I charge, what I actually receive is somewhere between 50 and 60% of what comes into my bank account. So when you're considering what should your hourly rate be, um, sometimes people can feel like, oh, that's a very expensive hourly rate, but you don't get to keep all of that. Um, and I think it's worth considering like plumbers and you know electricians, they charge double what I charge for their time. Um, but what you get to keep isn't necessarily, or I mean, maybe you do keep everything you get in, but I personally feel like a business needs money to run. And I am a strong believer in spending money makes money. So I, I keep a, at least 40% of what comes into my bank account for my business. And um, so just take that into consideration. When you feel like your rate is really expensive, you're not keeping all of that. And that is like perfectly, you, you're able to explain that to any client that that isn't, if they're worried about it, saying this, I don't keep all this money. My business keeps a lot of the money. Great points. Corey. All right. Uh, parting thought. Um, yeah, you know, uh, assess, assess your business, what you're doing, your skill set. I'm all about raising your rates, but at the same time, you know, be prepared to put your, you know, um, put the money where your mouth is, uh, so to speak. I mean, don't, don't just like, you know, quadruple your rates and start charging more when you're not providing, uh, you know, some more value to your clients. Don't do it. Don't do it just because. Be prepared to in increase your skill set, grow your company, um, you know, maybe hire some contractors, those, those people that can help take your business to the next level. So don't think about the now. Don't think like, I want to raise my rates just because I, you know, want to get a new car or something. Think about the future. You're going to raise your rates, kind of like Sarah was saying, to invest back in your business and, and grow your business. So have, have a long-term long goal, five, uh, maybe even ten-year plan of what you want to grow to what you want your team to be, what kind of projects you want to be taking on at that time. That's my parting thought. Great parting thoughts, Corey. Tim. Oh, sorry. I was expecting Terry to go first. You're hey, man. Old people last. <laughs> the elders are going to speak loud. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so oh. I would say my parting thought, confidence is key. Uh, so, you know, when you're raising your rate, do it confidently, you know, know your value, know that you're worth that because when you are, you know, pitching, uh, to the client, um, you know, sending out that bid, you want to be able to confidently, uh, communicate why you're worth that. Um, and then also when you're have a lot of work, that's usually when you're most confident and that's when is always a good time to, to raise your rate when you're, you're really busy as, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and then the, the last thing I wanted to say is actually something that, that Josh R just brought up in our, our live chat here, um, on Divi chat. And, and that is, um, you know, don't penalize yourself for getting better at what you do. You know, the, the more you do it, the, the quicker you get, the more you, you know, fine tune that workflow and fine tune, you know, all the, the technical aspects of, of building a website. And so um, if you're not raising your rates, then you're essentially penalizing yourself for, for working faster. And so, yeah, you can take on more jobs the, the faster you get, but um, the, the faster you get, you also deserve to make more money uh, because your time becomes more and more valuable. Great points. Terry. All good stuff right there. Speaking of older, I think my lower third was backwards the whole show until just a few minutes ago. I didn't even. 
It's okay. It shows regular. It looks backwards oh, to you. Yeah, yeah that's, that's only on your end. But it's, oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, yeah. a year into this podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how it works. Speaking of training and life experience, I wanted to bring up posture. Great posture makes it easier for you to feel comfortable raising your rates. Uh, you can get that posture by getting yourself some training, getting getting yourself more experience, uh, like the time plan Corey was just talking about. Um, associate yourself with groups of people that can help you do that, that also have good posture. Uh, the, the more positive mental vibes that you get from the people that you're around, you're going to have better posture. If you're uh, wallowing around with the, the people that are wanting to charge three or $400, uh, for a site, that's that's not going to help you get that posture. Is is what I'm saying. Just better yourself in training and experience, and uh, you'll feel more comfortable doing it. But take your time. Great you just, point. You there. just made me reminded me of something. I don't remember who always says this, but I think it's Adam. Maybe um, don't race to the bottom or something like that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> don't sense. don't don't beat yourself down just to get the cheapest cheapest so absolutely um all right my parting thought leslie kind of went where i was going and i'll just say great minds think alike how about that um scared don't be scared you know as you progress in your web development career whether it's hiring people or improving your own skills as your company increases their value don't be afraid to increase your value um you know test things out just try stuff you know like tim said tim mentioned it when you're really busy and you've got a lot of work it's real easy to test things out hey let me raise my rates here a little and see if see if somebody accepts it if you're like totally scared i believe every year you should evaluate your business we at the end of the year we evaluate our business we look at our rates see if we need to modify or change anything and one of them is raising our rates you know do we need to justify you know can we justify a, an increase in in our price and stuff so over the last few years every year we have raised our rates and we've done it annually other than you know recently me going kind of crazy um, <laughs> you know just trying stuff you know and it really was just we're, we're so busy that it was like you know what let me just to see what happens and and you know so i did mentally learn a lot of stuff from that um so don't be scared you know give your you know go for it you know go for it and my last parting thought is akuna matata no <laughs> niche niche and niche are all correct according to webster and miriam <laughs> They're all correct. I'm still saying niche. Niche. I think. I think if we start it here, we start the movement. Niche. We can get it added. Niche. Right on. Niche, everybody. Niche. Niche. <laughs> oh my God! People who listen to this on audio, I'm very sorry. You can see the video, so. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Divi Chat. Head on over to divi.chat. Check out the show notes for episode 49 of 
why you should raise your rates. If you are listening to us on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, leave us a comment, come join us because we record this live every week. And it's been awesome having all of these people in this chat chatting with us as we're going along. Yeah, Josh, Jonathan, Pablo, all of you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Olga, Olga popped in. Yeah. Everybody. We've had a very active live chat session and it's, and it's been really awesome. So leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up. If you've got a topic you'd like for us to talk about, let us know about it. If you're listening to us on iTunes or one of the other platforms, leave us a review so other people can find us. That's how people find you when you give good five-star reviews and stuff. Until next week when we tackle another topic, thanks so much for joining in, and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.